All right, the boys are back, running with the money. Yeah, 16th yeah. episode of the series. This time, it's not football, but it's college basketball we have to discuss. Matt Gothard, in the unofficial studio. Thanks for joining us here. I'm glad to be back, man. It's been a while. And we had a uh, collect call that we picked up from the penitentiary, and Kent Brown happened to be on the line of it. So, Kent, nice to talk to you. By the way, you said this is our 16th episode, right? Yeah. Sweet 16, 16 episodes. That's karma. Ooh. That's money making right there. It's almost like we planned this. We could have done 30 episodes over the course of the last half year plus. Nope. We said we're doing 15 and we're waiting that 16th episode for the Sweet 16. So I'm ready. I'm ready to roll. I like that. We also threw people off. You know, we, we, we can't win every bet because, you know, where's the fun in that? So there's some strategic losses in there. And we, when you go the extra mile, it makes some of them hurt, as we're going to get into in just a little bit. But it was uh, an interesting first two rounds, not nearly as many upsets as we can remember. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but the Sweet 16, I think, might have been the first time ever, definitely in recent memory, that all the favorites won. And if you would have had a all-favorite parlay, basically a bet, you would have won about 84-1. to 1. Did they all cover, or was it just straight-up wins? Money line wins. Did money not line. all cover. But still, that's like 80-plus to 1 if you just do favorite money lines. And it never happens like this. Uh, but still some drama, although I think we're just gearing up for this round more than anything. I think so, too, man. I think so, too. That was... Uh... Quite the win by Duke there in the last uh, couple seconds. Should we get into that, Kent? Do you think it's? Do you think we've given him enough time to, to go over? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Death? Yeah, we have to. I mean, that's the biggest story out of opening weekend is just how close Duke was to being that team that not only didn't make it every one seed, every two seed, every three seed made it, made it, but the fact that Duke pretty much was all but done and then somehow found a way. But you know, as we know, Matt Gothard had a little bit more at stake than. Mitch then Mitch Michaels or Kent Brown did. I'm, I have Duke in a pool. I'm in this weird pool where you pick teams and then you rate your five guys heading into the tournament. I just went with Duke starting five. I said, screw it. I'm just taking their starting five and riding them. I was nearly done. But I know uh, our boy Matty G Ugh. had a heartbreaker. He's done. Matty G's done gambling for a while. All right, maybe. Well, let's no, that's not true. That's the biggest <laughs> lie you've ever. You mean until me. tomorrow? Yeah, until Thursday. <laughs> so. I mean, I know you had a lot on the money line, which is a bold bet, and, and you had a beat on it. And even when Duke pulled away, UCF was clawing back, and then they take the lead, and they stymie Duke. And, and, and roster construction, I think Duke's biggest problem is they don't have the shooting. We talked about it. I talked about it with Sully last week when we did our preview show. that they No one is, in recent memory has won a title shooting as poor from three. Like, there's no record of people below 30% at that level. UCF had that chance, though. And I know there are some questionable calls. Duke's going to get the benefit of the doubt. But the alley-oop up four would have made it six if you just take the layup. And why is Taco challenging a two-point shot up three? I don't know. He fouls out. That's his rebound. Yeah. No, it's. I, I think I blame, uh, you know, in general, this was a fun game. Outside of the fact that I lost $1,000 and I could have won ten grand. About five pounds sweating yeah, it about, out. Yeah, about five pounds. I had literally sweat footprints on my kitchen floor. Um, you know, when I was looking at this game, though, the reason that I thought that UCF was the play is that it's a short turnaround for Duke. They're playing an, a monster, a freaking seven foot six. Is it seven six? Is that what he is? Seven. Yeah, seven six. Seven six. And so, in my mind, I'm thinking Duke hasn't game planned for a game without Zion. And I thought that he would shut Zion down. They'd be kind of, you know, flustered, uh, which actually did kind of happen there for a little bit. And then obviously Zion ended up with freaking thirty two points. Yeah, I mean, Kent. I mean, speaking of somebody with a lot of sweat footprints on their floor, Kent, what do you think about Duke going forward? I know it was a close game, but do you think that this tells you anything? It survived in advance, but they were lucky to advance. Well, the one thing UCF had going for them is they had the rim protector. And when if Duke weren't making their threes, I think Duke hit nine or ten threes in that game. If you would have said before the game that Duke's going to have to hit that many threes, you would have thought, oh, Duke wins, no problem. And yet they only won by a point. That rim protector isn't there for a lot of these teams. Duke loves to drive. They love getting high percentage looks. They like to get to the foul line. R.J. Barrett, DeLaurier, you know, you throw in, obviously, Zion can do seemingly whatever he wants against anybody. But against Taco Fall, it was a little bit challenging for them to get those easy near the rim baskets instead they had to do it with mid-range and with the outside game i don't think going forward you start looking at you know who duke has to play 
Virginia Tech, they're athletic, but they don't have these seven-foot-plus monsters protecting the rim. I think for Duke, they got over that hurdle. Virginia Tech's going to be a challenge, clearly. They beat Duke earlier this year, and yes, I know that Zion didn't play, but Virginia Tech had one of their best players that he didn't play either. And then you look at whether it's LSU or Michigan State, those are two teams that have beaten a lot of quality opponents throughout the year. Duke's not invincible. I think that people were talking about them on Selection Sunday. It was basically them and Carolina as these two teams that nobody could beat. And that's just not the case. Duke is beatable. Duke's a team that, you know, probably are going to have two or three close games the rest of the way, even if they end up cutting down the nets in the Final Four. They're going to be challenged along the way. And UCF showed that if you have a guard like Dawkins, who can kind of match some of the scoring that Duke's top players put up, Barrett's exceptional, Zion's exceptional, but on that game, you got to think that Dawkins is right there with them in terms of being player of that game. Who's to say that Cassius Winston can't be that guy for, for Michigan State? Or who's to say that Virginia Tech can't have a guy that gets hot and scores 25-plus? And if you get that, you're going to be in the game because, as you mentioned, Duke's not going to continually hit 9 or 10 threes in any game going forward. Well, the East Region went as chalk. It's Duke, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech getting that bump with uh, Liberty upsetting Mississippi State, handling my alma mater with these, the Billikens. It's going to be Michigan State, LSU, and the other one, Gothard, quickly on Michigan State. How do you think so far? So <laughs> far. I mean, uh, they, they've looked good. I wouldn't say the competition, they haven't really been challenged. No, they haven't been. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, real quick point about Duke before we move on is that kind of reminds me of Michigan last year when Michigan was almost out against Houston. Yeah, and then they, they, they hit that three-pointer, mm-hmm. barely get through, and then they kind of skate past the next couple rounds. I think that that's, I would be taking Virginia Tech, uh, and then or not Virginia Tech, I'd be taking Duke to beat Virginia Tech pretty handily. Uh, Michigan State, really quickly, I think that if you want a mirror reference of what a Tom Izzo Final Four team looks like, you're looking at it. It's a team with no pros on it. you got a good uh, point guard. you got a lot of big men that can kind of shoot the three. I think if they wanted to make a run, they could do it. Do I believe that they're going to do it? Yes, absolutely. They're going to take the title, baby. It's over. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I'd love to that play That was a Duke. turn. I didn't know where you were going with that one. I'd, I'd, I'd love to play Duke. That's that's where I'm at. You know, if we play Duke, I think the season's a success. Oh, I saw Hill Gothard on Twitter. You were going all in on Duke in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, the guest of last week's podcast. Some, yeah, you and Sully back and forth. Friendly, there was some friendly fire. Well, maybe if, not friendly fire. If you ever want to know if I'm mad, it's I'm tweeting at like a one tweet per 30-second uh, intervals. You know, otherwise I'm p- tweeting once per week. So. And you're getting into it with legitimate friends of yours that you love. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. I don't want to, <laughs> want to be friends anymore. I had plus 450 uh, Bradley to get to 20 points, and I lost that bet by about a point and a layup at the end. But, no, Michigan State defends well. We talked about how they're a great second-half adjustment team. And you mentioned the Duke-Michigan comparisons. I see them, too. Also, the matchups favored Michigan like this Virginia Tech team. Probably yep. favors Duke in that matchup. LSU, Kent, the other team in this region, it's the coachless team that keeps on going. It's like a horse of the Kentucky Derby that doesn't have a jockey. Just keeps on going. You know, it's like Sergeant Hulk's squad in, in stripes just keeps on winning. It's maybe the underrated story of the tournament is this team that is basically coachless. You know what I love that LSU did at the end of the game against Maryland that teams just don't seem to do, especially in college. In the NBA, you'll see it more because it's more of a sport where a star will get to the basket but in college you see way too many teams late in games settle for these off-balance 20-foot jumpers or a 28-foot three-pointer that you should not be shooting at the buzzer LSU went right to the rim against Maryland and they said force us to not make this basket and way too many teams are settling late in games LSU took advantage of it went in got the layup, found a way to win. It was impressive for Maryland to mount the comeback, nearly pull that game off. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with what I've seen from LSU. As you said, a coachless team, so to speak. But they were a team in the SEC tournament that when they lost, and you're saying, okay, we'll wade. There's all this stuff going on. They're probably going to be bounced in the first weekend. And then you looked at it. Yale was a team that a lot of people were picking as that trendy 3-4 314 upset and then whether it was Belmont or Maryland you thought if one of those teams play LSU they'll be the one to knock them off and instead the Tigers keep winning and they're playing with house money at this point even though they were you know SEC champions in the regular season and they're a three seed which on paper sounds like a team that could be a national champion 
there's nobody that was picking them on Selection Sunday at all, not even to get to the Final Four, let alone to probably get to this point. So they're playing with house money. They have a Michigan State team that knows how to win. But as Gothard has mentioned, they fell off in this situation plenty of times over the last decade where they get to the Sweet 16 Mm -hmm. and then they get bounced. And then if you look at Duke, if they play them, absolutely nobody's going to expect LSU to win. So I think – I don't know what to think with LSU, but we we were texting – maybe an hour or two ago, and I said, do you think Michigan State covers? And Gothard said, probably not. It's going to be an L-biter. And I tend to agree. I think I would take the points on Friday night, take the six points, certainly maybe tease up to 11 if you feel good about them and another team on Friday night. But I would lean towards saying LSU probably is a live underdog in this game. Yeah. Well, if I wasn't a diehard Michigan State fan and also still a degenerate gambler, there's nothing that I would convince myself that I wouldn't be taking LSU money line on Friday. Like if I just woke up and saw a that, team I'd be with like, house money, yeah, nothing I mean, to it, lose. There's no reason not to. I if we cover six, I will be so happy. But mm. and I'm glad Kent you mentioned. I mean, Maryland Belmont was an underrated first round game, maybe my favorite game of the whole first round. But LSU gets to the Sweet 16. Let's go to the West Region and run with the money. We'll make our picks here once we recap you get you up to speed with how they got here and it's gonzaga playing florida state in the top of that another one matt where baylor money line i was i was feeling it a little too i love it a chance but that one didn't get that one, it didn't least, get as close as nearly as close no. as uh, central florida gonzaga did what they had to do they get to the second weekend and there's still questions about this team. I don't think you can find one person that's just wholeheartedly, yeah, Gonzaga is clearly going to go to the Final Four. There's still a lot of questions with this team. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like we were saying right before this started, Florida State has the size uh, that that they that they might need to take this team on. I mean, that's we're doing a money maker at the end of this show, yeah. so I just want go ahead and continue with this. No, I mean, analysis. if we're doing it, if we're if we're talking about money maker, I think uh, I mean, obviously not money line. I mean, I'll probably be taking the money line personally. But uh, seven and a half—that's tasty. That's a lot of points. Kent, were you were you surprised by this line? I was pretty surprised. I was. This was probably the only line that I was like, "Whoa, Florida State being this much of an underdog." It's plus two eighty on the money line, which is a really favorable bet because if they play this game three times, they're winning at least one of those three, which means you know you basically get them at three to one. Yes, I thought it would be like a four point line, maybe three and a half maybe four and a half tops. And the fact that it's been seven or seven and a half, I don't get it. There, maybe there's something we're all missing and Gonzaga wins by 20 points. But they played each other last year in the Sweet 16 and Florida State pounded them. And this is probably a better Florida State team than that team from last season. And Gonzaga, they're yeah, I would say they're better than last year's team, but they're certainly not a team that can't be beat. You know, they lost in the West Coast Conference Championship game just two weeks ago. So I'm with mad on this i'm with you i think florida state plus seven and a half is a great bet and them on the money line i think it's kind of a coin flip game and the fact that you're getting a plus 280 money line i like that a lot as well i think leonard hamilton's proven when he's an underdog in the ncaa tournament he wins these type of games all the time they were the fourth best team in a conference that got three one seed here's trivia for you guys the last time the last time leonard hamilton lost as an underdog in the where he didn't cover the spread in this situation, what team did he lose to? Any, any takers? Ooh. You're probably not going to get this. Any taker? Is that Undertaker? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Notre Dame? Because you're a Notre Dame fan? Miami. Well, I'm gonna there's kind of something going to this. It was when he was the coach of the University of Miami. Before he took the job with the Washington Wizards to coach Michael Jordan, he lost to Bill Self's Tulsa Golden Hurricane Ooh. in the Sweet 16. Bill Self ended up going to the Elite Eight, got the job at Illinois, and then eventually took that team to a national championship game. They were a Miami team in the Sweet 16 in 2000 is when the last time Leonard Hamilton is not covered as an underdog in the NCAA tournament. It's only happened once, 7-1 and one in these situations, wow. covering. So he was Miami's coach before Michael Jordan came calling and he jumped up to D.C. When is the last time that Zaga actually got this got this stuff done? I mean, I know they made the title game once. but like, Yeah, they made the title game two years ago. But like, so, I mean, that's pretty good. But when do they actually, like, have, like, have they had won a title? I don't think they have, right? It's just crazy how it flipped. Like, yeah. 10 year, 20 years ago, everyone's like, oh, Gonzaga, this is the, the Cinderella underdog. And now we've just completely done a 180. And like, they're going to win the title right? every year. You know, I just... I think Gonzaga is a tough team, but I do like this matchup for State. We'll get into the picks at the end, but I will say unequivocally, personal reasons as well. My least favorite game is Tech and Michigan. Ugh. 
Oh. Why, why Texas Tech? Why is that personal? I don't know. Just yeah, a boring why is team. Texas Tech personal? I don't know. I'm still bitter about the Bobby Knight firing. No, I, uh, <laughs> I really do think that Michigan got a favorable draw. Yeah. We've been over this. Yep. Texas tough team. They defend really well. I think Michigan can exploit some matchups, and I and I like Michigan in this in this game. But to to say that Tech can't win would be a reach. I just think Michigan is clearly the better team at the moment. I think what they did to Florida was one of the ugliest games, probably the ugliest game of the tournament. But Michigan's defense showed that they belong, and Beeline's a great coach in the tournament. Yeah, I bet Florida. I bet Florida in that game. I felt pretty good that they were going to at least cover. And Michigan just steamrolled them pretty much all game. They weren't up 20, but they were up like 13. Then it was 8, and then it's back to 12. And there was never a hope as a better. I think it was 6.5 or 7. And I thought, can the Gators get there? And Michigan just spanked them. I think Texas Tech is a pretty good chance to win this game. I don't love this Michigan team. Uh, yes, they had a nice favorable draw. They're out here in Anaheim just about you know, half hour south of us, depending on when you try to get there over the weekend. But it's a two-point line, so it's a virtual toss-up. So if you think Texas Tech is going to win or you think they're going to cover, then you definitely take the money line, which currently right now is at plus 110. So I would say I like the Red Raiders to beat Michigan. But I looked like a fool taking Buffalo against Texas Tech, too. I thought that was going to be They looked good their game. first round game, though. Buffalo looked really good. I need We need an app, guys, where we figure out what coaches are about to leave. I know. Just please, like, just like betting information, like Buffalo is, uh, Buffalo's coach has been checking out flights to uh, Tuscaloosa, just for your betting interest. Yeah, just just so you guys know. I mean, kind of like, I agree with Kent, I don't love this Michigan team, believe oh. it or not. Uh, but uh, the thing about this game that sucks for me is I'm always going to bet against Michigan, and there's no money really to be made here. And so there's no real points I can take. I guess I'd probably put money on the money line, but... Uh, I do. I agree with you. I think Michigan's going to win a couple more. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, they have to go back to Ann Arbor. So it sucks to be that yeah. man. All right, the, uh, <laughs> the South region, which has a little more drama, and it has our only 12 seed, has our only double-digit seed in the Sweet 16. That's Oregon. Oregon advances. They play Virginia. We have Purdue and Tennessee in the 2-3 matchup. Kent, this Oregon team, a 12 seed in the Sweet 16, not really that surprising. We all kind of like their matchup against Wisconsin. They got the favorable draw against UC Irvine. I know the Pac-12, everybody just ripped on them relentlessly, but not too surprising to see Oregon, especially how they played down the stretch in that Pac-12 tournament. Exactly. Out of this whole bracket, 16 teams remain. The only ones that aren't a 1, 2, 3, or 4 seed are the SEC conference champions with, you know, Auburn who's a 5. And then Oregon who was a 12, yes, which on paper doesn't look great, but they won the Pac-12 tournament and they won it going away. So I think for this Oregon team, a lot of us thought they probably would be here. I actually, and not that my bracket's been that great because I've certainly messed up on other aspects of it, but I had UC Irvine and Oregon and Oregon advancing and none of that really surprised me. But what's good for Virginia is Oregon's a slow it down, pacing team that wants to play a game in the 50s that's exactly who Virginia is. They're just a better version of what Oregon does. So I think it sets up well for Virginia. The eight and a half points, I don't know. I probably would just avoid this game altogether. Or maybe you do do something with the over-under where you're rooting for points. So you take the over. It's 119 and a half, so that's pretty low. And maybe you just hope that Virginia wins. You know, they get in the 60s and Oregon matches them. But this is not a game I feel great about. I do feel like Virginia wins, but... They can win by 11 or they can win by 4. I really don't have a great feel for it. But I, overall, I would say take the over if you're going to take anything from this game. Ooh. Well, I disagree. I would <laughs> An disagree. over in Virginia? I was going to say well, I would take under. It's 119. That's having a fun night tonight. Yeah, he's, he's going he's, hard already. He's, he's, <laughs> I'm going underdogs and overs. That, that is a can we make some kind of a bar. side bet that on that, Kent? I don't know what that would be, but I, I'll, take the, I'll take the under on that. Wait, is that going to be the name of a bar that we all eventually own? Underdogs, Underdogs and, overs. and Overs? That's a great name for it. It really is, and I agree with that. I mean, it's the most fun way to bet. Yeah, we'll either own it or spend our last dollar there. It's going to be one of the two. One, one thing I do want to mention, though, is that uh, in this in this uh, section of the of the bracket, Kansas State committing malpractice. Bruce right. Weber, what he did in that game was just inexcusable, leaving his starter on the bench and then blowing that game. Props to Irvine, but my God. I mean, that is just insane. Virginia... Had everybody probably going online more than anybody in this tournament the first half of their game this first tournament. 
when they were losing again to a 16 seed and everyone thought, here we go again. Difference being they actually calmed down a little bit. They were a little healthier. They have Hunter back from injury. So I do think Virginia is a team that just wears everybody down. Oregon's got some playmakers. We saw that second half of the UC Irvine game. Irvine had the lead, and Oregon just ran away. So I I think this is maybe on paper not the, the sexiest matchup of the Sweet 16, but this could be a pretty good game. I'll probably throw 50 bucks on the Oregon money line just to make it interesting. <laughs> Other than Michigan State, I don't know how many favorites for you're going with okay. here, but this yeah. is a, a He likes favorite. Duke. He, he yeah, he thinks Duke and Michigan okay. State, but so far outside of that, we all or at least Matt and I, we're big on the underdogs in the West region mm. and I I I kind of am leaning towards Oregon plus the points in this one if I had to. Virginia eight and a half. The thing for them is is there a team in the country that's more comfortable only leading by three or four than Virginia. I feel like if Virginia's up five or six, that's like 11 or 12 to other teams. And they, and they defend all through up the court. So So overall, if they're they're up, let's say they're up five points with two minutes left. I think they're fine just winning by five. So that could help too, where Oregon might not have to score as much because if they're down five or six, it might just end that way as opposed to other teams that would need to try to drag it out to an 11 or 12 point lead. We got Purdue-Tennessee as another matchup. Two teams that got here in two completely different ways. Purdue, maybe the most impressive win of the tournament, destroying the defending national champion, Villanova Wildcats, just destroying them out of the tournament. Tennessee, pretty feeling pretty lucky to be here. Feeling pretty lucky to be here, not and not saying, boo, the biggest lead in the history of the NCAA tournament, so... Tennessee gives us our first overtime game beating Iowa, but I know, Gothard, you were a little upset not to see the home state Hawkeyes yeah, come through. I was, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. Tennessee totally earned that game in overtime. They owned that entire overtime period, uh, and I don't think they came out playing real basketball in the second half. So, Iowa, got to give them props for coming back. However, in this game, I think I like Tennessee because Purdue um, – Purdue's just a little bit too sluggish for me. I mean, I, I like the Big Ten. You know me. I'm a Big Ten guy. But uh, as much as I like Purdue, I think they're really not that dangerous when they're not at home. I know they just blew out Villanova, but we could argue that Villanova's not the same Villanova we've come to know and love. So I, if I had to pick a team on this one, if Sully's listening, maybe he'll start talking to me again at work. Um, <laughs> I, I'm taking the, I would take Tennessee maybe. I mean, I know we're not doing picks yet, but that's just kind of where, where I would uh, – Go. What, what about you, Kent? Love Tennessee in this one. I think Tennessee, there's a lot of trends that show that a high-seeded team like Tennessee struggles the first two rounds, don't cover single-digit type wins. They usually bounce back in the Sweet 16 and start to show their stripes. And this is a Tennessee team that was in the top five most of the season, and they were beating a lot of high-quality teams along the way. Purdue, they're a nice team. But Matt Painter, he doesn't win these type of games often. I don't think – I believe he's 0-7 in his history yeah. at Purdue against seeds 1, 2, and 3. Tennessee's a legit two seed. Mm-hmm. This is a Purdue team. Carson Edwards I was mean, on fire yeah. the first weekend. Is he really going to score 30 or 40 against Tennessee? I highly doubt it. I would say he's probably a 20-point scorer in this game, maybe low 20s or even high teens. And they're going to need him to get in the 30s, I think, to win this game. So – I feel very good about the Vols. I think my favorite bet out of all this opening of the Sweet 16 round is Florida State plus a seven and a half. But my next favorite one is probably Tennessee minus a point and a half. And if you're going to take them that way, you might as well just take them on the money line. So that way, if they somehow win by a point, you don't feel horrible about it. The money line's at minus 125 or 128 in that mix, minus 130. Just take the Vols to win outright. And I think I feel very good that they'll do it. So, do you guys care that in his last eleven games against the spread in the tournament, Rick Barnes has won nine and one? Wow! I didn't even. Realize. Oh yeah, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and the one was their first round win last year. So who'd they beat? It's an issue. Uh, it was fifteen seed. Yeah, yeah, I know. This time at Texas, they blew a lot of these types. And, and that's why the spread being so close would scare me because I do think Tennessee has the advantages. Now I am a little worried. By if we're going to see another situation where the defensive matchups keep a guy like Admiral off the floor, which is what happened in the last game. So yeah. um, I think I don't expect Edwards to score 40 points, but I can fully see him being the best player on the floor. Will that be enough? It still may not, but I think this is going to be a dogfight of a game. 
I just don't see Purdue making a legitimate run. Uh, I guess, and maybe I'm just yeah. Do you mean like past this game? Yeah, like, I just don't. Okay. I don't. I'm not, I don't see them as a Final Four contender. You know, I said that once about a seven seed Michigan State team, <laughs> and I picked them to go to the Final Four, and they did. So yeah, if you win in the Sweet Sixteen, that's a legit run, and I'm I'm with Matt on this. I just this Purdue team's a decent story. They're good, but out of all these one, two, and three seeds. They're the worst of that bunch, and I think for Tennessee, the way they struggled the first two rounds, I expect them to play a complete game and, I mean, realistically cover the one and a half. But as I said, win outright. I feel very good about the balls here. The Rick Barnes stuff is a bit bothersome, but as we also pointed out, it's not like Matt Painter has been lighting it up in these type of rounds either. Well, I did unofficially inadvertently save my favorite region for last. I love the Midwest region. I love both these matchups and any combination of an Elite Eight matchup here on Running With The Money, and that is first up North Carolina and Auburn. Love this matchup. Matt, I think this is going to be fantastic. High scoring. Over's pretty high, but it's still going to tempt a lot of us to take it. Auburn has the A game to, without a doubt, beat North Carolina, but what version of Auburn will we see? Fascinating matchup. I am uh, probably one of the most outspoken doubters of UNC right and now. And Duke. I mean, you, you're basically well, like, I feel like when you see the I promo for Duke, Duke, North Carolina. I just no, picked I, Duke. I know. But you want Duke to win so Michigan State can beat them. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to play Duke because yeah. I respect them as a good right. team. Okay. And, and I, I respect Zion Williamson. Uh, but here's the thing about North Carolina. They are getting too much credit for sweeping, sweeping without beating them in the, ti- in the tournament, a Zionless Duke team. And I think when people see that, the line gets a little bit um, inflated. And, and, you know, North Carolina is a good team. They've shown us that they're a good team. But I haven't seen – they lost to Michigan by 20. Yeah. Right, they lost to Louisville by twenty. They're not invincible, and I I really like Auburn if they come out to play like they did against Kansas. I mean, that was not a Kansas team that we were watching in the first half. I mean, it didn't look like a Kansas team. That looked like Liberty. Auburn couldn't miss. They really. couldn't miss. It was uh, it was incredible, and I think Pearl's a great coach. Kent, he also doesn't really get dizzy, so he's got that going for him. But how do you see this game going? I couldn't disagree with Gothard more. I feel like. This is an Auburn team. Yes, they can shoot threes, and if they end up hitting 15 threes or something, they'll be in the game if not win. But this is a perfect type of team for North Carolina to play. You mentioned Michigan. You mentioned Louisville. Those are teams that play tough defensive schemes. Louisville is very dedicated to trying to get those lower scoring type of games. Michigan... They play that 1-3-1 or it's a hybrid type of zone and man-to-man where they can frustrate a team. This Auburn team doesn't play much defense. They're going to have to be up-tempo, score a lot, shoot from the wing, get those three-pointers. Those teams work perfectly with what Roy Williams does. When Roy Williams usually loses in the NCAA tournament, it's usually to a team, kind of like Michigan State, for instance, where they want to win a kind of a slugfest. That's not who Auburn is. Auburn wants to run up and down the floor. That's exactly what North Carolina wants to do, only they're a much better team. Their assist-to-turnover ratio is great. White's been tremendous. We know what May can do in these situations. I feel like North Carolina's, I don't know about run Auburn out of the gym, but the five points is low. I feel like this should be, you know, if you start looking at some of these lines, maybe it should be closer to how Virginia-Oregon is, where it's like an eight-and-a-half-point line, or even the Duke game where it's seven for North Carolina only to be a five, or if you can get it at four and a half, I really like the Hills here to cover and win fairly easily because I don't buy into Auburn shooting lights out for the third, well, really the second straight game because the New Mexico State like game, the they game fell apart. Half, yeah. yeah, yeah, they fell apart at the end and couldn't make a foul shot. But I feel like North Carolina is going to, this is a perfect matchup for them, and they're going to win pretty comfortably. I still don't know how well they're going to defend, but I'll play I'll play middleman here, Gothard steaming with... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like when you guys disagree. It's fun because I know this is gonna spill over into the into the sports book accounts. Oh yeah, get really personal. It's kind of funny because now we're looking at this last game and like I'm kind of calling myself crazy. I would have picked three the SEC to go three and zero in the Sweet Sixteen. Do you like Kentucky over Houston? Because I I, I don't will, no, no no I don't. I'm, I like this matchup a lot because Houston. Forget about what conference they're in. Houston can play. They're good. The American Athletic. Yeah, it's yeah. not a bad conference. No, it's not. And I think Kentucky got really hot midway through the season, and I think that might have changed our perception of just how good this team was. Well, if I could sit that guy down from Wofford, 
that went 0 and 13. I mean, whatever his name is, McGee. McGee. Fletcher Who McGee. Who choked bigger, him or the guy at Yale, the NBA pick that wants? I to think go, I yeah. think McGee because he's isn't he the best three point shooter in ever in yeah. the league? Yeah, he's made more than anybody, and he's also now missed more than anybody in a game for not making one. So I mean, and some of those were pretty open too. It's not like they were all Kentucky did well against him, but let's be real, he should have made at least two or three of them. And some of them were unneeded. Like you didn't need to take the running jumping. Turn around three pointer with thirty seconds left on the shot clock. You're up by two. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, I do like Houston though. I think that they're blowing people out right now. I think Kentucky's just a name brand or a brand name that everybody uh, really trusts. So if I, I mean, I'd take the Houston money line. I mean, here's a, here's the thing I throw out there. What's the most points you can get on a teaser in basketball? Kent, you want to handle this? I, I, I mean, <laughs> it depends on what type of. I mean, you can get one of those. Yeah, you know, as they call it, the sweetheart teasers, where they'll tease up to like ten or something. I've heard well, like nine. I was gonna say, but I, I never touched. I mean, that. if you could add five points to each one of these games, and you take, I'm gonna be okay. Let's just say the most I'm allowed is six. That's just yeah. the, the most I've ever done. So say you add six points to LSU, and they get twelve, and you add six points to Auburn, they get eleven. You had six points to Duke, it's minus one, and six points to Houston, and they get nine. That's pretty tasty. You know what I love about this, though, Kent, is that this is what every degenerate gambler thinks. Starts doing, yeah. And then one game will just screw you. Oh, you start, it's, you're yeah. screwed on one. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, if not more. <laughs> That's true, if not more. You'll have a couple just just total beatdowns or, or huge upsets. So, what's the worst teaser? I mean, just to change the subject slightly, but keep it with the teasers, what's worse? If you do a four-team teaser like that, what's worse? Just to get crushed in the first game and know it's all over or to win the first three easily and then have that that's last? Worse. That's the worst. Hands down, that's the worst. That's I, I'd like worse. to move on. I want to put more bets in. I don't want to waste <laughs> my day on a loss. <laughs> that's worse. Yeah, I want to get I want to get back in that limo like Robert Kraft and just go right to the strip yeah. mall. I don't, yeah. don't want to think about that other stuff. <laughs> but to some people, they like that more because it gives them the hours of the entertainment and the build up. And even though they get let down, it's still the enjoyment of having those four hours or whatever it is build up to that. As opposed to if you just lose your first one, you say, ah, screw it. It's just not my bet. But we're all on the same page with that one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it just goes like to the UCF game. Like, I would have rather lost by 30, and I could got on with my day. And instead, I watched. I'm getting used to this as a Notre Dame football fan, where I want that, like, heartbreaking type of loss in a big-time playoff slash national championship. Not just the thumping. But, yeah, but it's a lot easier when it's just the thumping, because then you're like, yeah, they just weren't as you good. Just get those tears out at halftime, and then you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whatever kind of tears they are. All right, running with the money. Let's get to the picks. Let's make them official. We'll lock in a money maker as well. We'll also we'll throw something out online for the Elite Eight too. Well, we'll do one for each round. Uh, I think we kind of know where we're going. But the first game's Thursday. Florida State Gonzaga, the first one. And this is my vote. This is my official vote. I love Florida State here. I think we should lock that in. I love Seven it. Seven and a half points. And like Gothard, I will be. This was a preseason Final Four pick of mine, or not preseason, pre-tournament. I will be locking them into the money line as well. But I like Florida State here, Kent. Love it, plus 7.5, plus 280 on the money line. Maybe you'll search the different books if you can. Try to get the most favorable money line. Because just looking here right now, I'm going through this, and you're seeing a lot of them right in that 280 range, but... Eh, maybe you can get lucky and get like plus 300. I'm seeing five dimes. It's plus 305. So again, if these, if these teams play three times, Florida State's winning at least one of those three. So those are great odds. And the size difference, the coaching, you know, playing so well against Duke and Virginia and North Carolina and teams like that. This is a legit Florida State team that was probably underseeded to start this thing. They probably should have been a three seed. And instead they were a four I really like them in this game, and I think – actually, I don't think. I know we're all in agreement here. Plus 7.5 just seems like way too many points. And if you guys see any or have any over-unders or anything you know special, just shout it out as well uh, as we keep moving along on this one. The other game that's going to be going on, Tennessee and Purdue, about 30 minutes after that tip-off with about 1.5 is what we're looking at right now, unofficially official. You can find it at different places wherever. I'm with you guys. I'll go Tennessee. I hate doing this. I'm, I'm tying my wagons to Rick Barnes, but I like it. I like I'm not, it. I'm not uber confident. I'm not nearly as confident as Ken is, but I will pick Tennessee in this one. You're going to feel good about that late Thursday. 
And it's great because if, if if it doesn't happen, then we get a sully meltdown. Right, and that's and we're going to be going to we're going to be going to some bar that's now Gother knows it. It's a Michigan State bar. Me and Mitch, we don't know what we're getting into with this bar. So we're going to go in. I feel like and... I have to arm wrestle to get into the. Door. Well, yeah, there is the initiate. I talked to you guys about the initiation, right? <laughs> well, Kent kind of gave me some vague messages, and I'm just like really funny, Kent. Not not another party at your place, but. Yeah, I yeah. yeah I always have the saran wrap ready to go. So to me, it, th- it doesn't matter what the initiation is. I'll figure it out. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad Kent used your one phone call on us. Um, it really means a lot. But all right, Texas Tech and Michigan is the uh, another late game going on on Thursday. We mentioned it before. Michigan two-point favorite line has not moved. I like Michigan to cover. Don't feel great about it, but I do think Michigan covers and they move on to the Elite Eight. You know, there comes a time in every gambler's life when they have to realize the difference between being a fan and being a smart gambler. And so I'm taking Texas Tech money line, baby. Me too. Hammering it. I agree completely. Texas Tech money line. Uh, the West region, I mean, we have to do, by the way, okay, because we're going to be together Friday. We have to do the money line parlay of Texas Tech. It's going to be about plus 110. It's not a huge underdog. And then throw Florida State on it about plus 280. Oh, man. And, These games you know. are on Thursday, though, Kent. Yeah, or, we'll sorry, be, we'll, Thursday, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be – Friday we'll be just collecting our money. Is yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. do it Thursday, and then we'll celebrate Friday in whatever that weird bar that we're going to join with all these Spartans fans. Yeah. I, I didn't know they were – I thought they were actual Spartans. Oh, yeah, they are. We <laughs> fight. We fight at halftime. Bring your sword. Uh, I also do think that for – Kent, would you say for the cheapest tickets, that's probably for Saturday, that might be best-case scenario, Tech and Florida State? Oh, oh, 100%, yes. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's my bar. I mean, if it's that, those tickets will be extremely cheap. By the way, if you do that, you put 100 bucks down and Texas Tech and Florida State win, you win 700 bucks. That's a really good money line parlay right there. Also, can't, believe, also can't believe Kent's defending uh, Florida State basketball when he just absolutely despises Florida State football and that turnover backpack they have. It's funny how Michigan and Florida State are very different in both sports for me. I, lo- I love John Beeline. Like, I've always been a fan of his when he was at WVU and now at Michigan. I love the system. He's a great coach. And then I couldn't dislike Jim Harbaugh almost anymore so, like, Michigan football, I really don't like. Michigan basketball, I'm cool with. And then for basketball, I don't like Florida State by any means, but I respect Leonard Hamilton. I think he has a great program. And I don't generally root against Florida State basketball with a passion by any means. But football, I mean, outside of Penn State, there's no other program I root against more. Although, as I mentioned last year, Notre Dame went undefeated in the regular season of college football, and yet Florida State still might have been my favorite team to watch. That's how bad they were last year when it came to football. So there wasn't a team that gave me probably a more enjoyable three and a half hours every week. They were the gift that kept. They were the gift that kept on giving. But for Florida State basketball, eh, I don't like them, but I also don't hate them. And if it's going to make me money, especially a seven to one parlay, throwing a little Texas Tech, why not do it? Well, that is uh, very well put. And the last game on Thursday night, Oregon riding a ten-game win streak, taking on Virginia. Eight-point dogs are the Ducks. Over-unders at about 119. I would say a Virginia six-point win. So I will say Oregon covers. I think it might actually go over 119. I know it's uh, it's Virginia, but okay, I'll live dangerously. I'll say Oregon covers, but it goes over. I like Oregon to cover. I think that they're 9-0 in the last nine games and covering, too. I'm pretty sure. That, I'm pretty sure they're nine and zero against the spread, which might mean that they're due for a loss. But and then I'm going to take the under. I like the under one nineteen. Uh, that's going to be a slow burn. Well, and then okay, but if you want that though, then you kind of need it to not be a really tight game. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if it's very tight, then they'll start fouling. They'll try to extend the game. And you doesn't run away with it. Yeah. You want that cushion of like a five or six point cushion where maybe they miss a three with twenty seconds left. Virginia kills some clock and then it's game over because 119 is that's a low. I mean, if it's 63 to 57 or 62 58, it's over. So there doesn't have to be too many points for that to go over. So again, I would avoid the line on this one, but if yeah, if I had to, I would lean towards Oregon plus the eight and a half. But the over 119 or 119 and a half, I would take that if I had to take anything in that game. Fortunately, I don't. So I'd rather have it on Purdue, Tennessee, or you know any of the other games that we've gone over. Certainly in the West, 
those games are all the ones I like more. Virginia, Oregon is not going to be a game I'm putting any money on. And we move to Friday. Michigan State, LSU. No team has more victories against the spread than Michigan State. 25 wins against the spread. And they are six-point favorites against yeah. LSU. Still not convincing you to cover? I just, it's a, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to be taking Michigan State minus six. But would I publicly say somebody else should do that? No. So What does I, it matter? It's somebody else. <laughs> I don't want anybody coming after me or tweeting at me saying, you lost me money. It's like, bro, you lost your own money. But I, I'd say, uh, I'd say, I mean, if I was a degenerate gambler, like I said earlier, that didn't know Michigan State, I'd be taking LSU money line. Hands down. I kind of like the under in this. 148 and a half. I like that too. Yeah. Now that you say that, that actually is a pretty simple <laughs> bet. The under in this one all of a sudden does kind of stick out. Michigan State, especially second half defensively, they've looked well down the stretch. Adjustments. Izzo coming through again. Just got to hope it doesn't go to OT. No. And by the way, I just I think I speak for all of us when I say props to uh, Coach Izzo for actually being allowed to coach. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a coach. That's his job. Really quick, what I'd say about that is I've had a lot of people at work complaining about the way he was yelling at, at Henry. If there was a single basketball player out there that spoke out against it, maybe I'd listen to them. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to the, just the random people in the media that want to be heard. That aren't in the locker That's room. That's nonsense. That have no idea what the program Find is Find me like. one basketball player that said, hey, that was unacceptable and we can actually talk about it. All he's doing is coaching. That's what coach like. That is coaching. Like, you know, you're trying to get you. You. It's your job to get these kids to play their best basketball. If this kid is making mistakes or he's not doing what you're telling him to do, get in his face, tell him to follow suit, and then his teammates also handled it well. I love what Winston and the rest of the teammates did. They then went, okay, okay, like we have it. We we'll this. take care of it now, and that shows the respect that he has for the players in that moment. And it shows the respect the players have for him just to say, okay, like point taken. Now we'll talk to him. We'll calm him down. Things will be okay. Tom Izzo's a guy. I mean, is there any former player that dislikes the guy? I feel like Tom Izzo is universally loved by his players. Like like a 99 plus percent of those guys would swear by Tom Izzo. And yet, as you said, we're supposed to worry about what somebody in the media is claiming. I mean, come on. If you can't yell at one of your players, then yeah. then I don't even know what we're doing. Well, we the might next, as well not have coaches going forward. The I next mean, game, it's ridiculous. almost had a double-double the next game. So it's like it's obvious he didn't get in his head and ruin the kid. He's just coaching him up. That's why you go to that school. He signed up to go to Michigan State because Izzo said, I'm going to coach you. And that's what he did. And it worked out. Um, all right. Well, a couple more games left. Duke, Virginia Tech, we mentioned that one. Seven points right now. We do. I would say I like Duke to cover this, Kent. Um, I'm a little. I do think Virginia Tech's tough. I do think Robinson being back is, is a big deal for them. Can I just say on an aside, Kent, I don't. You know, RJ Barrett, I just have a hard time trusting guys with initials for their uh, first name. Just kind of, just kind of, kind of flaky. I just, I don't trust those guys, you know. I don't know. Maybe. No. I don't agree with you there. No. I'm fine. I'm fine with RJ Barrett. I can roll with RJ Barrett anytime. I think he'll I think he'll have a good game. I'm with you. If I had to take either team, I'll take Duke. Now there is a team that Virginia Tech is not afraid of Duke. They play in their conference. They, you know, have beaten Duke. This is not a team that they're going to look at and say, man, how are we gonna match up with these athletes? These kids play Duke athletes every year. But overall, this is a Duke team that if they're focused probably are at least seven points better than Virginia Tech. So I would take Duke here if I had to. Fortunately, I don't have to, so I probably would just avoid it. But I'm with you. I, I, I expect Duke to probably win by like 10 points or eight points, somewhere in that mix. Do you have the first half line available? I think we got it up here. Four. Four. See, I would take that. I think Duke's going to come yeah. out really, really strong. Mm. I do like RJ Barrett just messing around there a little bit. And I think Cam Reddish, hey, you're supposed to be top five. Oh, you hate R.J. Barrett. It's okay. Hey, Kent, real quick. Who, uh, who's your favorite King comedy? My favorite? It's definitely not D.L. Hughley. Okay. <laughs> okay, I mean, Zion. Like, that's like, he's like the Steve Harvey of this team. Like, that's a guy I respect, but, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, now I get where you're going with that. Okay. Now it's coming together. <laughs> totally went over my head. I can't. Yeah. I can't say I'm in the most, like, fresh moment. I mean, to be honest, we all know, let's be real, Bernie Mac was the king. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, the guy was Mr. 3000. 
Yeah, that's he would, all, ne- that's he all would he never do a show on UPN, right? Like, I would just, no. Right. <laughs> I'm a Jared Quay guy. I think he's the king of comedy, guys. He's great. Yeah, just just phenomenal stuff. Uh, Jared, um, yeah, of course. All right. <laughs> all right. One last game to do. Wait, we skipped one. No, yeah, there's... Uh, we skipped North Carolina, games. right? Yeah, two more games to do. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, okay. Carolina-Auburn's not going to be much of a game. You can skip that. Carolina-Auburn. I am on Auburn as well, plus five. Not feeling the money line, though. I do think Carolina is probably going to pull this out. But I like the points here, and I like Bruce Pearl to keep it close. And uh, Kent, fine. Pick the, pick the team that has the coach that falls down all the time. Carolina, <laughs> minus five all day. I don't care if Roy Williams is sleeping on the court, if he's drooling, if he gets back up, he doesn't even know the score. His players are going to run an efficient offense. They're going to put up 80-plus points. And Auburn probably gets like seven. It's probably, I'll say Carolina wins like 86 to 71 or 72, something like that. It's, it's a pretty easy win. All I know is that when Iona was shooting lights out, they had a legitimate shot against North Carolina. So if Auburn shoots anywhere near the way they've been shooting, I think uh, UNC is going to be in trouble. The over in this game has been hotly debated. 164 it's up to. That's a really high number for a college game. I would say wow. I like over in the first half 78 more than I like the full game because I think these teams could come out guns blazing. And I do see a scenario where it tightens up late. Maybe Auburn goes cold. Maybe North Carolina just struggles down the stretch. But that'd be the one I would go at. I, I think we could see both these teams in the 40s in the first half. I'm with you on that. It's think, a good right? idea. Yeah. yeah, I think overall Carolina's going to be scoring pretty high numbers in both halves. And if Auburn's on, you would think the second half adjustments might keep them below in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, that's reasonable. And 165 is a lot of points. But, again, both of these teams are fine with games getting up there, you know, kind of NBA type of scores in many ways. So, I don't think that the over-under in this one is something that sticks out much. It is much higher. I mean, if you look at this, the next closest over-under in any of these games, I believe, is the LSU-Michigan State at 148.5, which we all like that under. So that's a lot of points. But, again, you guys love Auburn. I don't get it. I might be dead wrong. But I almost want you to bet to me rather than go to your guy or your website. Just come to me. I'll probably take that bet, and that will be my way to win the Carolina. You know, minus five is – I just – Eh, Auburn's not making 15 threes. And even if they make 11 or 12, I don't think it's enough to beat Carolina. Not in this game. Okay. All right. War Eagle over here, but you do you. Uh, Houston and Kentucky, the last game. And I think we've got some Cougar Cougar fans here. I don't I know, so. Ken. Are you going to make this unanimous? I'm, I'm liking Houston, and, and I don't even know if I need the points in this one. I was one. just looking at how much the money line was, and I love plus 140. I wonder if P.J. Washington is going to play. I know that there's he hasn't practiced much, so if he's out, that hurts Kentucky. Kentucky's a team that I really feel like top to bottom is the better team. It's also funny how close these two logos are. If you look at the Kentucky oh God, logo, right. you look at the Houston logo. <laughs> What's up? I said, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, they're, they're like the exact same logo. Only one team's red and one team's white, and the H and K are slightly different. I would take – I guess I would give the points and say Kentucky wins by more than three, but this is a well-coached Houston team. They have nothing to lose. They're playing big blue, the Kentucky team that, you know, is full of McDonald's All-Americans. Houston clearly not full of McDonald's All-Americans, but something tells me Kentucky probably squeaks out like a four or five point win. I don't love either of this that much, but I would lean towards saying the Wildcats get to the Elite Eight and set up another classic matchup with Carolina. I, I long for Stad Calipari images on the sideline as the team's going yeah as the team's going south. But I feel like we do this every year with Kentucky where they just don't have guys with big game experience because they're all young and they're all they're all haven't been there before and they don't know what to do down the stretch. We even saw it in the SEC title game against Tennessee where they kind of blew that game, gave that game away. I like Houston. Houston's going to get their shots. It's just about making them. They were the team that should have knocked out Michigan last year. So there's some unfinished business there as well. Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson, Sampson yeah. underrated I how, coach. I don't know how he's doing it. I mean, I, I have an idea how he's doing it. I know how he's done it before, but hanging in there in those baggy shirts. Yeah, but that was such a weird one because wasn't it like he was texting recruits when you weren't technically allowed to text them? I feel like now we would laugh at something like that. Calvin Sampson probably got a raw deal. I mean, Indiana would pray to have a coach like him back there at this point although maybe Archie Miller will do well a little shout out to drill for skill camp so I love Archie Miller but overall 
Tom Crean was a disaster there. But Calvin Sampson's doing very well. He and he's a coach. He's gotten a team, you know, to deep runs. He's a guy who's been able to be this sort of NCAA tournament coach that gets teams far. Calipari, though, he has the talent in this one. Again, I don't love either team in this, but Carolina over Auburn would be my Midwest. So if I just kind of had to say my best bet for all four regions in the East, that LSU Michigan State under, I'm buying into that. In the West, it's Florida State plus the seven and a half. In the South, love Tennessee minus one and a half. And in the Midwest, Carolina minus five. So I go two underdogs. Or one underdog, two favorites, and then an under. So that's my four best bets, one of each region. That's great. We'll see you on Friday going head-to-head on the Sovereign bet. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll so, be, uh... It's going to be amazing. <laughs> two, two faces of Kent there. I think that'll be good, like the three faces of Foley. Hope to bring it out of you. Uh, I, 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 you're, more, you're mostly the mankind one these days, but hopefully... Gothard, because we'll <laughs> I actually don't know this answer. Were you ever a wrestling fan? Like, if we throw some of these wrestling references out, do you get some of them, or were you just not into it altogether? So, when you say wrestling, you mean WWE? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, Kent does have a singlet, but we're not. Well, about so that's that. a funny story. Uh, no, I'm not a WWE fan, but I did wrestle in seventh grade, and I went O for sixteen. Uh, believe it or not, if you guys see my body, I weigh under 100 pounds, and I got slaughtered every single time. Never have done it again. Thus, why I'm not a wrestler. You didn't lose to a girl, right? I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> oh man, Brooklyn Brawler style. That's that's unfortunate. That's when uh, that's when you gotta throw a little bit of dust in the eyes. You gotta cheat a little, you know. You got. I mean, if you're if you reach, okay. At what point did you reach in that season? When you just realized I'm probably not getting that one win, were you 0 and nine? Did it take 0 and fourteen? Like at what point were you just like, okay, this is not going to happen? When I was 0 and sixteen, because <laughs> it was over. But you finished the season, though, right? No, I quit. <laughs> I, I, quit. Quit. I quit. quit. I couldn't uh, do it anymore. It was too painful, and I was tired of throwing games. Yeah, but you made a, a lot, lot of money to be made, story. though, boys. Yeah, a lot the story of is money that's to be made. Ran the sports book. Yep. It started high school wrestling, match fixing. Real young. It's gotten to this Wait, wait hold up. I have, as you guys know, I have a lot of connections in the state of Iowa, the great state yeah. of Iowa, the Hawkeye State. So that might be a way to make, I might have to look I, into something like that. Fixing high school sports in the Hawkeye State. Hmm. There's nothing better than that, uh, was it the Alamo Bowl, where we both won, Sully and myself and you, on opposite sides, found that great betting middle ground where everybody was a winner. Oh, you guys middled together? It was like what Ken had it at a little different number. Uh, we had a cover of Washington State, yes. and we both won. It could not wow. be better. Iowa State lost, obviously. Oh, yeah, that but, was painful. Yeah, that was heart heartbreaking. Yeah, Ames. Well, I thought many good Ames people was, in Ames for, I for that. Ames was, I thought Ames was done with you, but I guess not. Um, all right, while we wrap this up on running with the money, I got to turn it over to you guys. Any degenerate stories this week? Well, wait, wait. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Have we locked in the moneymaker officially? Yeah, seven and a half. Okay, we I just didn't there. know. I didn't know okay. if we had to do the little thing or like moneymaker officially. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like Captain Planet. We all have to put our rings in the middle. You never know. You never know how this works. Um, Kent, you got any degenerate stories? Uh, none that I really want to talk about on the air. <laughs> yeah, none that, none that his attorney. I'm getting a buzz from his attorney. He can't talk about any of this. I'll say mine, though. Getting frustrated about losing... Uh, on Sunday night and immediately live betting a hockey game over under total winning winning but I did think I stumbled onto a theory if you're betting hockey out there if a team if it ever gets to a point where it's like two nothing or one to one early halfway through the game they just jack up the over under because they think hey it's just going to score nonstop and a lot like basketball college basketball especially game tends to tighten up so it's a safe win for me I would say that might be a strategy going forward, or I could just be an idiot and just got lucky. And Here I would be mine, I guess. Mine, mine would be, I'm in this pool, as I said, I took the Duke starting lineup and just said I'm going with it. I also, as a dick in this pool, so it's, you know, I had the first pick. No, so no way. No, no way. I don't pick 28 and pick 29. I took Murray State at pick 28, and I literally sat Ja Morant on my bench and said he will not even be on my team. He's my cheerleader. He's my sixth man. That's how much of a dick I was in this poll. That not only did I take John Morant, but no one else could have him, and I didn't even put him in my five. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty terrible. That's been well, like an elaborate. And, and who's winning? Who's winning this pool currently after the first weekend? Starts with K and ends with ENT. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and making friends everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, do you have one? 
I mean, outside of uh, that, I would just say this last Saturday or Sunday, whenever that godforsaken UFC game was on, uh, it was a pretty rough day for your boy because right before that, I had Iowa Moneyline. So talk about chasing for the rest of the day. I also yeah, I also follow UFC, and I didn't throw money on 3-1 to one Anthony Pettis, who had the knockout Superman punch. So that's a, it's a really rough one for me. I thought about it, just didn't pull the trigger. Good segue into some other sports, though, as we as we put the finishing touches on this episode. If there's anything out there, we got baseball starting tomorrow. Kent, you got some golf match play going on, hockey, basketball playoffs. Pro and well we are up. now less than two weeks away from WrestleMania, and there are <laughs> bets. And if, if you don't think that we are going to do a podcast where we we break down the WrestleMania card with the odds as if we're like talking about real sports. If you're in for that, I'm 100% in to do that podcast and treat it like it's an actual non-fixed event. And there are bets. you can I mean, They cap them clearly. But I'm interested in seeing like what Braun Strowman's odds are in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal or Roman Reigns against you know Drew McIntyre or Brock Lesnar against Seth Rollins. I'm all in to break down the WrestleMania card as if it's a real event. Wow. That's all I'm saying. So if you want to do it, We'll have Let to me think know. about that. We'll have to figure out a way to do it. But I, <laughs> WWE, really? I was <laughs> I was going to say with baseball starting tomorrow, there's some good futures out there. My favorite. I like the pennant odds a lot. Of all the teams in the NL, I think St. Louis did the most. They're plus 700. I think there's value there. I do not like the Dodgers. I see them as way too big of favorites. I think they're the co-favorite with the Phillies in the NL at plus 450. Stay away from actually both those teams because I think there's a lot of uncertainty with the Phillies too. And in the AL, you're probably looking at either Yankees, Red Sox, or Astros. Just try to find maybe a division winner you like and, and see what happens there. You know what's amazing is Mike Trout's now the richest American contract in history for American sports. And if that guy shows up to the sports bar that we're at on Friday, there might be five people who, who even recognize him. That's in LA. A, yeah, in Southern California. That's a I, great I point. wouldn't even know what he looks like, so you're right. Yeah, I just, I mean, baseball players, they, they uh, don't stand out as much, and maybe it's a marketability thing. I don't know. Um, but, Ken, I know there's some golf you got your eyes on. Obviously, I do want to throw out hockey bets as well. Tampa Bay is such a prohibitive favorite. Uh, I would say all the money is made to be made out west. It's so wide open. Find a team you like. I do think Nashville's a tough one with some value there. And uh, Ken, Yep, I'll, golf. I go John Rahm. I'm buying into John Rahm. He had a really nice... Wednesday it started today I would say that if you want to go kind of sleepers the 49th seed is Ben on who's a South Korean fella he's a good golfer you might want to look into him uh, Justin Thomas I like however he struggled today and he lost his first match and then another sleeper Abraham answer he's a 58th ranked guy in the thing there's only sound like a real person <laughs> He's a Mexican. He's, a, he's, he's legitimately from Mexico, but his name is Abraham Answer, and he's in the same group with Paul Casey, okay. who's a Brit, Cam Smith, who's an Aussie, and Charles Howell III, Chucky Three Sticks, here from the United States. So Abraham Answer is a sleeper, Ben On is a second sleeper, and then my top guys would be John Rahm and Justin Thomas. Okay. Those are some of my picks for the Dell Technologies Match Play Championship out at Austin Country Club. No Eldrick? No love for Tiger? I'd like to see him make a run. I love Tiger Woods, but I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm not quite buying into that. I actually picked Cantlay to win that group heading into the tournament. Who's a UCLA kid? He's a local kid. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show. Guys, it was a pleasure as always. It was a blast, man. Thanks for having me. Kent, thank you for uh, sticking this one out and uh, for showing up on time when you said you would. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I can't say I can't say I showing up on time's always been the protocol when it comes to getting us all together. But nonetheless, we are in for this. I will be here. And Friday night, we got a little Tony. Oh, I don't know if we should mention the bar's name. That way, all the fellow degenerates show up. Well, no, no. Night is when we're going to the bar, and that's going to be fun because that's the next time that we get to hang out and watch some March Madness together. So I, I'm in. I can't, can't wait. I cannot wait, guys. Pleasure, Gothard. Thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Go green. For Matt Gothard, Kent Brown, a.k.a. Dr. Farthing. I am Mitch Michaels. This was Running With The Money. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your betting.